Hey, welcome to the Become a Media Maven podcast. You know here on the podcast, I pull back the curtain and I give you an inside look at how it works here at Media Maven, my PR agency. But today I wanted you to hear from somebody else who has worked her way up at a PR agency in Oklahoma, Jones PR. Taylor Ketchum started as an intern many years ago, and now she is vice president. And we chit-chat about a few things. We talk about working with influencers, having restaurant clients during the pandemic, clients and their expectations. And I think she's got a really great message for you about leadership and how to work your way up. Because She started as an intern and now she's vice president at the same place. And we see people, I mean, I know I did when I worked at TV stations, people would work there for years and years and years and they would never be promoted. They would bring in somebody from the outside. So Taylor's going to talk to us about what she did that other people didn't that helped her climb up that ladder at the agency she is at. And I know sometimes you get tired of hearing of me talking about PR all the time. So I'm just going to bring on another publicist so you can hear her view. And something new we are starting. We began last week when I took you to get a facial and a lash lift with me. These podcast episodes are now going to have a video component. So I suggest you check out the show notes for this episode. So you can head to my YouTube channel. You can actually see Taylor and I chit-chatting during this episode. All right, but if you're going to stick around here on the podcast, then I hope you enjoy this interview with Taylor. Ever wonder how some people seem to get a ton of media coverage and you don't? Welcome to Become a Media Maven, where TV reporter, host, and news contributor Christina Nicholson shares years of media experience to help you get the media attention you and your business deserve. And now, to help you master your media coverage, Christina Nicholson. Um, I'm vice president of a public relations agency here in Oklahoma City. Um, But what's unique about my kind of angle is I started here as an intern about a decade ago and um, basically kind of just stayed loyal to the company that I believed in. And um, by the time I was uh, 26, was uh, the director. And now I serve as vice president uh, for the agency and help run it on a day-to-day basis. And the agency's name is? Jones Public Relations. Okay, so that's like quite the move up. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting thing with my my peers typically being about 10 to 20 years older than I am when it comes to this level. But um, I know this agency backwards and forwards because I helped build it the last 10 years being um, the person in the trenches. And so it, it means a lot to me to kind of be able to bring in young talent that um, are eager. But I'm also have this 10-year relationship with our agency owner that can help her kind of look towards the future. So um, it's definitely not typical for someone of my age, but uh, I definitely feel like I I earned it. I worked really hard, Um, but uh, it's kind of why I always tell folks, if you stay in a place and you show loyalty, you can grow. I've seen so many of my peers that graduated with me in college have five or six jobs within seven, eight years where 
they're not growing. They're kind of staying parallel. Well, I was able to grow at a rapid pace to show loyalty and kind of learn my surroundings and kind of build myself uh, my own seat basically at the leadership table. And I would guess that you probably did some things that other people did not Mm -hmm. to get yourself up the ladder a little bit more because yes, a lot of people work hard, but a lot of people also get passed over for promotion. So was there anything, I mean, that sticks out in your mind, like, okay, well, I did this as an employee and I didn't see people around me doing this. Yeah. I I think that kind of happened really around like year four or five, where a lot of the people around me were basically my same age or same level, but I was constantly trying to do two things. One, my motto is how do I give my boss 15 minutes back in their day? What can I do constantly to make their day just a little bit easier? So I was always looking for that face-to-face time, but I did not shy away from the new business opportunities. Um, Was it intimidating being a 20-year-old going into these meetings trying to pitch business? It was, but I felt my background in performing and auditioning and acting really allowed me to have that very comfort comfort of just being able to sit in a room, hear people's problems, and be able to discuss and talk on my feet. Um, Every presentation I basically give, if I have a PowerPoint, I make the PowerPoint, but I do not write a script because it it doesn't come out natural for me. And that made myself stand out amongst my peers that needed a little bit more structure and planning. I was able to really learn and hear different industries say what their pain points were, what were keeping them up at night, and offer them solutions while at the table. And speaking up and not just letting just the leadership talk, but the actual person that would be doing the tangible tactics, I would speak up and I knew it it really stood out. So while I still do that now as vice president, it is what helped me get to the seat at the table I'm at now. I love that. Okay. And I agree with you. Like you did a lot of things that other people don't do. And I I don't know if they don't do it because they feel like they are not in a position to do it or they don't feel comfortable doing it or whatever it is. So I love that you, you took initiative. Um, Tell me what kind of clients and companies and brands that you work with at Jones PR. Yeah. So, I mean, we are a traditional PR agency in the sense that we lead with a strong PR foot, um, but we do offer quite a lot of public affairs experience. Um, my boss worked for Ronald Reagan and Bush 41. Um, my counterpart worked for Homeland Security and a few senators. So we really come with that legislative experience, which makes us stand out. But my area of expertise is the consumer brands. And so very B2C. I do also help with a lot of B2B business. But um, my areas of expertise are entertainment, uh, restaurant, um, a little bit more of the the branding side of things. I, I represent about uh, 17 restaurants here in uh the United States um, with 90 locations of so doing their PR, but also some nonprofits. Um, Goodwill Industries of Oklahoma uh, is one of them, some higher education. So my, my area of expertise really comes into the, how do I help people sell products, services, and goods to those that um, can do direct to consumer? How has it been these last few months working with clients in the restaurant industry? 
that that was a, a tough one because uh, the restaurant group I work for, um, they weren't just a one or two restaurants. They have um, well over 500 employees, um, and uh, it's even higher than that. But at their point is we have to make it the safest for everybody in all seven states that they're in. So they shut down for a whole month at the beginning, and that was that was tough because their other uh, competitors were staying open, but they maybe had one or two locations. Much easier to control the chaos there. Um, but since opening in a very controlled manner, um, we've seen a lot of great work with our to-go business, which has kind of reignited some people um, trying new places since it's a little bit more of a controlled environment. But it's caused us to think of new strategies. Um, I had to reactivate social media influencers pretty quickly to show that it was safe to go and get to go options and what it meant to get a family pack rather than individual meals because trying to offer those cost savings because for a while there people were not able to get the groceries that they wanted and so we were able to offer them meals at a much more affordable rate in a much more convenient way so it, it was really nice to have a client that really looked at us as their partner and said okay let's activate 20, 30 social media influencers and have them go to the different concepts and show how easy it is to pick up to go, how it is contactless. Um, and so we had to teach people that. And I was just so thankful we already had uh, a good portal of influencers to call upon that were comfortable doing so. And, and now they're helping us convince people that it's safe to go inside. So it's it's a really continuous uh, effort. But uh, they're, they're seeing a, a turning point. They have that name recognition. So people know they're, they're taking it seriously. But I mean, it uh, definitely our 2020 marketing plan got <laughs> thrown <laughs> thrown out the window. And we're, we're looking forward to 2021 and hopefully being able to actually implement some of that strategy. Yeah, a lot of creativity that we didn't know we had to like pull <laughs> yeah. out of our hat the last few months. Um, you mentioned influencers. I have a love-hate relationship with influencers. <laughs> I think a lot of people in PR do. What all forms of media do you focus on there? Because there is so much now. There is a lot of gray area with influencers. We first um, connected about Podcast Clout, my software that... I built four publicists to help pitch podcasts. So what different forms of media are you focusing on at your agency? And mm -hmm. just in general, like, what do you think of all of the media? Because you are working with influencers and that's a whole other can of worms. So all of it. I know it's a totally yeah. lame question, but there it is, Taylor. Oh, no, I think it's great. I think one thing you kind of said in the beginning is, what did I do differently? I will say I was so young to not realize that I was probably asking for a big thing. But back in 2010, 2011, social media was still at a point where um, businesses had like personal pages, like business pages didn't exist, that, that whole thing. And I asked my owner, I was like, hey, can I like do one for the agency? And then it turn into that and then it turned into like a few others and now I basically out of nowhere went I created a whole digital vertical of our agency before I was like 24 um and but it was necessary if we didn't get in it at that time we would have been behind um when it came to influencers what happened for me was my boss was like oh Taylor you blog and I've been blogging for almost 13 years and I finally went I get pitched 
15, 20 times a day. And I usually get laughs at it. I'm like, oh my God, this is such a bad pitch. Or like, oh my God, they forgot to add my name. Or they said I'm a boy. And I'm like, oh my God, why am I not doing this myself? Because I'm getting pitched by PR, other PR agencies or publicists. But I was like, I actually know how to speak to influencers because I am a blogger myself. I know what works, what feels authentic. And so we started working with some local bloggers um, about six, 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 six or seven years ago with some technology reviews, like with Verizon. And then all of a sudden, of course, social media blew up and this whole influencer term came around. And so I said, okay, let's start creating a portal. Let's start creating those that want to be called upon. So we have a, an actual portal that people sign up for, and we have a database that can call upon them based on their micro or macro level. Um, because if they're, it's a very local brand, I don't really care if they have 10,000 followers because 8,000 of them don't matter to me because they're never going to buy my product. And so for, for us, we started thinking about it from the point of view of doing it micro, macro. We have it broken down by state, city, gender, um, background, just so we're making sure our clients get a really diverse pool that they can work with um, because I know brands uh, need to be paying attention to that a little bit more. Um, and so we made that a really important part of our effort. Um, but I would say in the last two months, I've now offered influencers like, okay, if you're doing this partnership, you're required to do like three IG stories, one IG feed, post must stay up for 30 days. If you're interested in doing a TikTok, please let me know. And now having to have like expectations and like how they have to turn it in. I mean, three years ago when TikTok was coming out, I was like, this is going to die like Vine. It's going to go away. And I'm like, I am so glad to be proven wrong just to see how, how powerful it is. But now having to adapt to it where, I mean, eight years ago when I was thinking of it, it was just Facebook pages. So it, it keeps me on my toes. I, I love it, but it is a love-hate relationship um, because there's just different levels of what people want. And I'm an earned media person, so I don't want to do pay to play. So I want people that want partnerships. And so we really lead with that foot of we represent very brands that have a local feel. So it's do you care about the community and the businesses that are in your area? With your clout, can you help us? So I don't pay a single influencer. Um, I do straight partnerships, and they usually see it as an opportunity to build up their portfolio and their um, media kits, but it also allows us to develop personal relationships. So we, we have some fun things in the in the works. We work with a lot of photographers and uh, allow them to build up their portfolio, network with our influencers and models, and then the brand gets all of the content. So um, I, I definitely believe our agency is looking at it from a very strategic point of view. But one thing we have in our back pocket is that I've been doing this for so long. Personally, I know how to actually reach out to them with that authentic feel and not feel like, hey, will you just promote my brand for free and I'm not going to send you a product and here's all the links. I mean, brands are still doing that and it, Every single time, I just want to write back to them. I'm just saying, this is not working. Um, you're, you're actually getting more on a blacklist of mine than um, a list that I appreciate.
Yeah, you said so many brilliant things there. I was working in TV when you were starting to build the the digital footprint for your agency. I was working in TV and I remember having a meeting at the TV station I worked at and it was like, you guys, on Twitter, if you want to talk to somebody to talk about like this specific subject, you can just tweet and they'll tweet you back and they'll talk to you. Like <laughs> and I remember that was when we created a business page, like the whole thing. And then on the influencer side, there is so much I think that makes it for me, a love hate relationship. Um, and I, just like you, I'm on both sides. When I left TV, I started blogging and I do work with other PR agencies and a couple of things. One, like, it's not that we, we, we're not offering to pay you because we don't want to. That's just not our job. Like we're not an ad agency. We're a PR agency. So we don't do advertising. And if we paid you, that would be advertising. So that's not what we do. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of people just like the brands don't know how it works. I think a lot of quote unquote influencers also don't know how it works. Like if I, if we're going to partner together, like you do this and I do this. And there's a lot of times where in the back and forth, someone's half-assing something and it's not turning out okay. And that's why contracts are and expectations are super important. Yeah, Um, definitely learning, learning (laughs) will came with that because I felt like, well, I could do it the way that I've always done it because I always held up to my end with brands. And then I was like, okay, not everybody's like me. So it's very like, okay, if you're doing an IG post, it has to stay up for 30 days. You do a story, need to stay in your highlight reel for 30 days. Um, And so I think they don't realize that like we look at that because by nature, most PR practitioners are becoming data analysis, just nerds. We we love it because it proves our ROI in a way that wasn't done 10, 15 years ago. Um, and so the ones that get it, I'm like, I don't think you understand. You get an extra gold star on my list. Anytime I have an extra brand or I'm going to find a way to do a surprise and delight with you. Um, because if you'll go that extra mile, even if you are a micro influencer, it means something to our brands. And so um, I always like to find those kind of diamonds in the rough that, that go over and beyond because they may just be so excited about it, but they don't realize that you doing that couple extra posts or making sure you tag the location and the brand, it, it means something. And some people are pretty lazy or they feel like you should pay them to, God forbid, tag the brand uh, <laughs> in, the, in their IG post. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so we talked about influencers. What about um, traditional media and podcasts? Where does does that fall into your strategy with your clients? Yeah, I will say it wasn't not it wasn't until um, probably about 2018. I have a, a real estate client um, that kind of oversees all of the realtors of our state, and they had told us, "Okay, we're cre- we've created a podcast," and we were like, "Okay, how's it going? Like, we can help kind of promote it." And they're like, "You know, what? we're just not getting the listenerships," and so we kind of said, "Okay, well, let's do a focus group with your actual members and kind of figure out what's going on and what." The focus group, we were quickly able to learn like, okay, these realtors only have 20, 30 minutes between showings or driving to open houses. So they like you to bring it down. They also want you to take out the chit chat in the beginning because they just want you to get to the good stuff. And then they listed a few things that they needed and they were able to take that, adapt it. And then within like three or four months, they are extremely successful with their podcast where now other associations of realtors in other states are asking like, okay, this actually works. Like you can actually get information about laws and policies. And so that was my first introduction to going, okay, 
I think podcasts are actually taking off um, mm-hmm. because I, for a while there, it was like, is this a thing? Like no one knew. And then of course, everybody <laughs> was able to create one with just access and technology through a laptop and a good mic. And so we we started pitching it. I, I would say not more than a year ago did I start going, okay, here are my papers I'm pitching. Here's my TV. Okay, now here are my social. And I guess now here's my podcast target list. And uh, <laughs> I, I would say my soccer team, I represent our professional team here. A year ago, if I was doing this, I maybe maybe would have gotten them on a, a podcast that was sports related. And in the last four months, I've gotten them on like five podcasts, none of them sport related, one about food and another one about being in Oklahoma, another one about leadership. Um, and because my job as a PR practitioner was to find new audiences and find people that want to get to know the players on a human level, not as just athletes. So I was able to call my friend that runs a food podcast and they did an hour and a half of just chit chat of what's your favorite brunch and all that. And they humanized my players, which was my job. And so I, I love that I was able to do that on top of doing like a TV interview at it. And it also, it allows some of the players to feel like, and players and leadership, I feel like to, to get a little bit more special attention than you may be doing a traditional interview um, with one of the leadership positions, the CEO, I was able to get them on a national um, kind of leadership podcast that is run out of Dallas. And it was such a big to do for him because he said, no one really asks me things outside of the club. And so I was able to talk about leading through a pandemic and what it was like to play again after being shut down as a professional soccer league. And so um, it's been fun, but Traditional media is always a, you know, a moving scale for, for us of um, some stations have really pushed the pay to play aspect. And it's like, you're not doing yourself any favors because now you're just not looked at as a trusted news source. Um, But one thing our agency has been very strong at doing since my my early days of pitching was if we book something, our stations know you're going to get talking points, B-roll, graphics, anchor leads. You're going to get confirmations. Are people on time? People media trained, know how to put on a mic. And so we're able to be a lot more successful with traditional media because the media go, okay, they basically write our story for us. And, you know, every one of them is having to do two or three stories or two or three packages every few days. And so it's worked in our favor um, a few times where, They'll, they'll call us last minute because they know we can give them everything kind of nice little package with a bow on it to make their job just easier. A hundred percent. I always tell people that. I remember when I was in TV, I was so annoyed by so many agencies, by so many people in PR because they were so unprepared. I remember one day sending a pitch or receiving a pitch and I responded and I'm like, yeah, you know, we'll be there in an hour. Oh, no, no, we're not ready yet. You need to wait a week. Like, this is TV news. We don't wait a week. Like, I came in at nine. I got to be live at six with the story. It doesn't work like that. So you definitely have to give them everything on a silver platter to increase your chances of coverage. Um, We talked about the influencer education. I also think a lot of people need podcast education just because it's, I guess it's newer. And a lot of people don't realize the ROI that you get Mm -hmm. from being a guest on a podcast. And I think it's because... 
a podcast listener is just so much more invested yeah. than, I mean, I, I always say different media does different things. When you're on TV, like it's instant credibility because yeah. it's hard to get on TV and you have limited time on TV mm-hmm. and it's just the perception of TV. Like when people see you on TV, it's like this whole other thought, but when you're on a podcast, you actually get to know somebody because yeah. you're listening to them speak, you're hearing their tone and their inflection for a long time. So I'm a big believer in different media does different things, but I also know some clients are like very against some media. Like I don't yeah. want podcasts. I don't want to work with influencers. I don't want to do this. Um, so how do you deal with something like that? If you have some clients who are very like, either they're scared of it or they just flat out don't want to do it. Yeah. I mean, for us, we try to be very transparent and say, we lead with a PR foot. My first thing is not, how do I pay for you to get coverage? It will never be that. I love being a traditional PR practitioner to my core. Getting that earned media piece, I don't think there's any other bigger high for a PR person. There's not. Get that of, I created that from an idea to an actual cover of a a newspaper or to a TV hit. But for for us, if we get a, a business pitch and they're saying, I want to be in Forbes. I want to be in Inside. I want to do this. It's okay. Let's figure out what you have. Maybe you do have an exclusive. Maybe there is something there because we are capable of doing it. But if that's how you value success, we want to talk about it because we're we're relational marketing experts. Um, we build relationships, whether it's with investors, consumers, um, other corporations. And so for for us, if we have someone that is so determined of here's my itemized list, we are at a position going, maybe we're not the right people for you. That, and that's totally fine. Um, but then for those that are afraid of media, that's where I've done two things. I've done one, let me do one or two interviews for you. I can speak about you guys, but then I, after a while, I think we should maybe do one together or let me be there with you. Um, and I think that's helped ease a lot of it going, I'm not here to set you up for failure. I'm going to make sure you're prepared. So I, I have my own whole media training deck where I can do it in person or I can um, do it for a large group. Um, I usually bring a camera in and make them practice, go over kind of just natural ways to avoid ums and likes and things like that. But what also helps is right before their interview, I'll get them on the phone and okay, let's go over those fake questions and get you prepped. Um, It's also why I like to try to write all my own questions for the anchors (laughs) so they're they're prepared. But then also, I I, I just don't let my folks go to media interviews by themselves, not because I don't trust them, but because I feel like they have that comfort of a friend there and I try to take them to the hallway and run through it, um, sit in interviews so I can listen to make sure points are getting across and they're not getting distracted or they go on a different tangent and not focus on message. But those that are afraid to do it, I kind of try to demonstrate what it could be. But for them, if they don't want to do it, going, okay, if that's not what you need, you don't need your message told, are you okay with somebody else telling your message and they're controlling the conversation and that's when they usually go, oh no <laughs> actually and so it's like okay then if it's not you who in your company can speak um, about it because sometimes CEOs are not the best person maybe they um, don't connect with the audience the best I, I do that not only with my traditional clients but my political clients maybe the the face of the organization is not the right person always to connect with the audience that needs um, to change attitudes or voting positions. 
And you brought up a good point that I think a lot of us deal with. Um, and that is expectations. It's like the opposite of the scared to do media. Sometimes it's, they come to you and they're like, okay, so I want to be on good morning America. And I want to be on Fox news business. And they talk about all this like highest tier media when they don't have hardly any media exposure. And I mean, like people think they can hire you and you can make them famous overnight. I mean, I even saw last night a Facebook ad. I sent it to my other publicist friend. I said, who's this loser? Because he was, he, his ad copy on Facebook was, I will in 24 hours, I will get you on CNN, NBC, ABC, and make you famous. And I was like, what? And people like hundreds of comments, like people believe it. It's wild. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I've done before. I've done a today show where I was middle camping in the middle of the woods here in Oklahoma. And I worked for a national nonprofit and I had pitched something, you know, I was lucky I had Savannah Guthrie's personal assistance number. So I, I texted, hoping maybe she'd tweet about it because I knew she supported the nonprofit. And all of a sudden I get a call going, no, no, no. Can you guys change it where you guys run through Rockefeller Plaza? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so Whatever you need, honey. We will those be moments here. do happen. But I'm like, I don't think people understand. There are magic moments where you're like, you're on the side of a mountain moving and looking for service and you'll make it happen. But I'm like, they don't just sit around waiting for a PR pitch to come in of like, oh, that's a good story. I should. And I was like, they, they have people hunting for for this. My my favorite tip I've gotten, though, is at the beginning of every semester, um, you should call those stations and ask who the producer is, because sometimes the person that answers the phone is still very young or still very new oh. that they don't know to give the producers names. It's worked a few times for me. I And what I use a great- smart one. <laughs> you That's a great trick. Get the but intern to give you the info. They quickly learn, but um, it's worked <laughs> a few times. And I, I never oh, take wow. advantage of it. Um, whenever It's like whenever you get a freelancer for like Today Show or Wall Street Journal, it's like, okay, I got your personal Gmail. I will only use it when I need it. But um, it's always a, a special moment. But yeah, I mean, it's. I hate the people that overpromise. For, for me, I start every single meeting with my clients. Anything new um, that's changed, um, end it with anything else I can take off your plate. And then my new clients that I, I'm pitching, what are what are your pain points? What's keeping you up at night? And let's let's talk about a solution. And I feel like when they can do it that way rather than, okay, what do you want? It, it allows them to tell me their problems and my solution is a lot more tangible than someone coming in with, you know, the dog and pony show and saying, well, we'll just get you on Wall Street or just the front of the Oklahoma. And that's not going to solve it. You, you got to have that plan to change perception or media or to change the conversation um, if it's being directed in a way that you're not wanting. She speaks the truth, people. All right, Taylor, is there anything else that you want to add that I should have asked about what you do or your day to day there at Jones PR? No, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing is for for kind of talking to people that work in agencies that are in leadership positions that right now we're going through such a kind of crazy time. And as PR practitioners, we're typically all strong implementers. Like that is what we do. We we move before we plan sometimes. But to, to know that there's other different types of personalities within your organization or that are practitioners and kind of make sure you're paying attention to how they 
are handling this. Um, maybe they don't live in crisis mode the same way you do. And so helping them get through all of this and, and helping them learn how to adapt. I know I have a lot of people that are a little bit more analyzers and clarifiers and like to ask a lot of questions. And I feel like in this time where we're just trying to help all of our brands like get back out there, um, we got to comfort those um, young professionals that are just trying to make it because I'm just seeing a lot of PR professionals bowing out right now because it feels too hard. It feels this is not obtainable anymore. This is not fun anymore. And we, we've all gone through this. We go through recessions. We go through phases. Um, it gets it gets better. Um, but I, I just feel like I'm seeing a lot of people jump out. And this is a good time to jump in and, and really show off those skills, especially these young pros that come with the technology experience. I mean, I know when I got on TikTok that I was like, how in the world do Girl. you do this? Yeah, this I feel Thank you so much for listening. Of course, we got some good stuff coming up. If you haven't yet already, do me a favor and tap that subscribe button and leave me a rating or a review. Let me know what you're liking, what you're not liking, and what you want to see more of. And remember, now these podcast interviews, there is a video component with them so you can see our friendly faces as we're talking to you. Links to all of that in the show notes for this episode.